Good morning. Um, I'm glad you are all here this morning. I should say Guten Morgen. Yeah. Uh, wie geht's? Okay, so uh, we're just going to do German lesson instead of the sermons this morning. Um, seems fitting. Uh, what I just said was Guten Morgen is good morning. And wie geht's is how are you? Uh, so you could answer with like sehr gut, which means very good or just gut. Uh, I don't know what it means to say, like, I'm not doing well yet. I don't know that yet. So um, we'll learn eventually. So uh, this morning we are starting a new series called Mind Blown. And um, one of the things we want to just kind of bring your attention to um, real quick with this is uh, the, if you look at your bulletin, right, all of you get these, uh, and if you look at the back, uh, it does, it, uh, it's a little awkward about what I'm getting ready to do. Casey just walked in, so uh, I'm blaming him. Um, no, um, well, I mean, what's he going to do? Fire me? Yeah, all right. That's good for at least once per service, right? Okay, all right, that's it. But if you look on the back, there's a thing that does say Dylan Farewell Celebration. Please come see us today, 2 to 4. Um, if you would, if you have, or if you're available... Uh, we'd love to see you and just say uh, thank you to you for all that you've done for us. But also, if you look at the bottom, and this is why the big reason why I want to point this out to you, is um, our emails are on there, as well as our Facebook page that we created that we're going to be updating stuff as we're over there. Uh, just things like Thursday when we fly w over there and we land and like, hey, we made it and stuff like that. that that's going to be the best way to keep up with us. If you don't have Facebook... I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry, actually. I'm not sorry if you don't have Facebook. Uh, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I should be saying. Um, that's what I should be saying. So, no, if you don't have Facebook, um, you know, there'll be updates that have come through and different things like that. So, uh, we're just really excited uh, today uh, to be able to share with you kind of like our journey in through uh, what every, everything that God's been doing in our lives in the last uh, few months. Um, but as we start this new sermon series, uh, I, I want to blow your mind right now, all right? I'm just going to start off right away with blowing your mind, so here we go. I think with this sermon on calling, I think it's important for you to understand that most of the time, here's the mind-blowing part, God's calling is not something that he tells us through angels singing or a bright neon sign in the air. Okay? There you go. Mind blown. Right? Now, there are instances in Scripture where this happens. Okay? If you look back at, like, Moses, for instance. He's out just taking care of some sheep. And there's a bush burning, but it's not being consumed by the fire. That's a neon sign. Okay? Uh, that's a neon sign for, for Moses. But for most of us, um, that's a unique situation for most of us. That's not what happens when, when God calls us, okay? And I think the idea of calling for us in a lot of ways um, is maybe um, very different than what we normally think of being called in that sense. Now, I'm not going to say God can't, like, do the neon sign thing, because I refuse to put God in a box. Like, God can do whatever God wants to do, right? He is God. He's allowed, I mean, not that I'm giving him permission by any means, but he's allowed to do whatever he wants because, well, he kind of created everything and kind of knows how it all works. 
so he can manipulate that system. But when it comes to calling, I think for the most part, those are unique situations. And our calling is a little different. Look, I understand like there are a lot of people that struggle with this on a regular basis. Uh, I've seen students stress about this in a lot of ways of like, man, am I doing what God wants me to do? I, I had somebody come up for service. Uh, they're a teacher at high school, and they're like, man, I see students all the time struggling with this idea of what is God calling me to do with my life? And it's a very difficult thing. It causes a lot of stress in people's lives. They're asking questions. Am I serving where God wants me to serve? What if I'm not serving and doing what God wants me to do? What if I've missed my calling? Well, I think maybe we're looking at it wrong, okay? I think maybe we're looking at it wrong. Maybe we're trying to limit God and say that there's only one place and one thing and one idea of what God has for me. Maybe we're misinterpreting Scripture a little bit and coming to this conclusion. Uh, maybe, um, you know, we're, we're looking at these uh, things and we're going, this is the only thing God can have me, and if I miss it, I've messed up. And I want us to make sure that, we, that as we look at the Scripture today, that we maybe look at it from a different viewpoint. A little different viewpoint in the sense of maybe God's calling isn't so specific on our lives. Uh, let's start this. Let's start with Nicole and I's calling, okay? Uh, Nicole and I's calling. First, I think it's important that as we do this, we give you just a brief history of TCM. Uh, who we're going to be working with in Austria is TCM. And uh, they've been serving God for a long time. Many of you have had interactions with them in different ways. Some of you probably had interactions with TCM and, and not realized it. You know, our church has a long history in supporting TCM. Uh, people here have gone over and taught. Uh, people here serve uh, in their office uh, for a very long time. And so we have a really neat connection with TCM. And so let me just share a quick history for you, just so you know kind of where TCM started and, and where it's at today. So first of all, it was founded in 1957 uh, as a church planning organization by Gene Doolin in Toronto, uh, Canada, okay? Uh, in 1964, TCM began providing Bibles and literature and training and other assistance to Christians in communist-controlled Eastern Europe. And in 1970, that expanded to include the Soviet Union and the Soviet Union satellite countries, okay? Uh, Gene Doolin, when he was in Toronto, started interacting with uh, refugees from these areas. And this is where his heart and love for these people uh, uh, started. 1971, TCM purchased House Edelweiss near Heiligenkreuz, Austria. Uh, if you've ever been to, TC, uh, to House Edelweiss, you know it is a very special place. If you haven't been, I hope you come someday. <laughs> uh, it would be awesome to see you there. But it is a very neat place. This, the house was actually built in 1890. Uh, it's a neat history to this house. I mean, it survived a world war, two world wars. Uh, it's a very neat place. Um, one interesting thing about Heiligenkreuz, there's a monastery there. Um, just, I don't know, maybe takes 15, 20 minutes to walk there from the house. And it has been around since the 1100s, continually operating. Let that sink in for a minute. Uh, like 1100s, there have been people living there. That's a long time ago, okay? That's older than John Hicks, if you know John Hicks, right? <laughs> it's older than John Hicks, so. Uh, 1975, TCM moved its North American headquarters from Toronto to Indianapolis, just down the street here in Speedway. 
1982, TCM launched the Summer Seminary to assist, disciple, encourage, and equip Eastern European church leaders. Uh, to this point, they've been providing a lot of support and, through materials, and now they're starting to train. And we're going to see this become uh, the biggest part of what they do uh, today. 1991, TCM creates the Institute for Biblical Studies. Uh, that is directly connected to the Berlin Wall and communism falling in Europe. And so then it comes to this point where it's like, well, we don't maybe have to smuggle Bibles in anymore because you can kind of just take them in now. And now it's like, okay, what do we do? And the church is like, we need master's level education for our pastors. A lot of the pastors there, uh, that uh, even ones that we got the opportunity to interact with in September and October when we were there, um, have degrees, maybe just not a Bible degree, and so this is giving them training uh, to be able to take back to their countries and serve their churches in this way. 1995, TCM had its first graduating class, and then we skipped to 2014. They gave out their 500th degree in 2014. And then in 2018, TCM launches its U.S. cohort. This is where my life crossed with TCM. Um, <clears throat> 2017, December, two weeks before Christmas, maybe a week before Christmas, we're sitting in the conference room. A guy named Tom Sears comes in. He works with TCM. Sits down and he goes, hey, uh, we're looking at starting <clears throat> a U.S. cohort, uh, a master's program, and we're asking some supporting churches to, to have some individuals come and be a part of this. And we're like, okay, when does it start? And he's like, well, it starts second week of January. Okay, that's like four weeks from now. I was like, well, let's do this. Um, I actually said, and by the way, this is a lesson for all of us, never say never, right? I said after I graduated with my undergraduate, I would never go back to school. Yeah, well, <clears throat> so that was my first connection with TCM, was through this master's program. And um, I, I did two years with them. I will not be continuing with them, the U.S. cohort anyway. I will be still doing classes down the road, but United States cohort meets in Indianapolis. I'll be in Austria. It's very expensive travel, <laughs> so I uh, won't be finishing with them in that sense. But we're excited to, to be a part of what they're doing. And for that to be like the beginning thing, and, and that brings us to like where Nicole and I come involved with this. Uh, let me start with this. Nicole... Uh, her calling started in 1989. She's 12 years old. Um, that's when her calling started. My calling started in 1990. I was 13 years old. That's when we accepted Christ. 89, 90. I was a little bit of a late bloomer. All right. Um, she was two years old, or two years old, two weeks old in church. She was very like going to church. And then for me, it was later in life. And so that's when our callings started. Through that, we met at Johnson uh, Bridal College, I mean Bible College, uh, uh, now called Johnson University. Um, our daughter is there. She's a junior and also probably found the person she's going to marry. Um, so that's okay. He's a good kid. We're excited for that. Um, but we met there. And um, we're married, and uh, through this time, we've served at a lot of different places. Landing in Chapel Rock has been uh, one of the greatest blessings we've ever had in our lives uh, with that. Um, I can't say enough about what this church means to us. 
um, not just with students, but obviously the students being working with the students for, for so long. I mean, we have students now who are in college that I worked with, which is really crazy because that means I'm getting older. Um, it happens, right? It's part of it. But the ability to have the students that we've got to work with and their care and love for Jesus and the fun we've had, I mean, like, we've had some really good times. Uh, sometimes when they've driven me crazy. I don't know what it is about middle school boys. Uh, um, let me preface it, like, let me say it this way. I had an exit interview this past week with one of the elders, and they're like, what's something you're not going to miss about your job? And I said, staying overnight with middle school boys. <laughs> sometimes, I mean, this last time we went to camp, they were in there for two hours, and the building already smelled. It was so bad. I don't, oh. Have I embarrassed you guys yet? No, I'll keep working on it. Uh, so, but we have really appreciated our time so much here. Um, you guys have become our church home and our family. And one of the things that was important to us is as we started looking at what was happening with this possible move that God was placing upon our hearts, we wanted to make sure that it wasn't something that we just left a church. That this was something that you were a part of. And that means a lot to us. Because you guys are our church family. And, um, yeah. We're going to miss you guys. We truly are. Um, so come see us. Alright? Come see us. We'll be back too. So. Um, but that's kind of where Nicole and I's path came to this point where um, <clears throat> working with students, when we take students on mission trips, we go to some really crazy places. Like, we want to go to the most rustic place that we can go, right? We don't want, like, Europe with them because that's too nice. Maybe we're slightly afraid they might destroy Europe while they're there. It might be a little bit. Not yet? Okay, I'll keep working on it. But we take students like to Mexico where they got to sleep in a hammock with bugs and make sure they don't leave food in their backpacks because if they do, ants will find it uh, and, just, and just want the food in your backpack. Uh, or places like the Dominican Republic where bugs are bigger than your hand. Things like that. That's where we want to take students, okay? So, but because of Nicole has some health issues, she can't do that. It's just too much for her body to handle. And so when this trip to House Edelweiss came up, it was like, wow, this is something we can actually do together, to serve together, to be able to be a part of this. And so she went, we decided to go back end of September, beginning of October, and serve at House Edelweiss. And um, I think it was like day three we were there maybe. We had done our Vienna day. They take you to Vienna like the first full day you're there so you don't sleep because of jet lag. The second day, um, Christian, who is the direct, uh, the, the a vice president of international operations who runs the house kind of oversees everything that happens there was giving us this talk and he mentioned you know hey we have some uh openings available be praying about who god brings into that i think it was that night i just kind of looked at nicole and i do this in our marriage sometimes like where i say something and i'm kind of trying to be funny but i'm also a little bit serious but then also i'm just trying to see how she reacts and i was like hey we should totally move here and then she looked at me like I'd lost my mind. 
which is not the first time that's happened in our marriage, okay? So, like, I know that look pretty well. Um, it was at that moment I just kind of stepped back and I said, God, if this is something that you're wanting us to do, like, you got to work on our heart. I'm not going to do it. So I left it. I didn't talk about it to her. We went on and started serving. She was serving in the kitchen, and uh, I was out <clears throat> on the maintenance crew with uh, Dave and Pam Mann, which was incredible to get an opportunity to work with them in that way. Um, and we're out there working, and, I, and the Wi-Fi on campus over there is really good, by the way. And so I'm out there, I have my phone in my pocket, I get a text, I'm like, what's this? I look, and Nicole's like, am I crazy or am I just wrestling with God? I'm like, wait a minute. This was like three days later since we had talked, so we go, we talk that night, and she's like, maybe this is something we need to look at. And that was God doing that on her heart, not me. Because like I said, I kind of left it. I, I let God work in that way. And so we decided to meet with Christian while we were there and have that meeting. And one thing that, again, this is another thing that God was working is um, in my personal walk, like I didn't feel like God was releasing me from having something pastoral as part of my job description. Like, vocationally, God was still, had, he still was not releasing me from something pastoral, okay? And so I shared that with Christian while we were there. And he looks at us, and because I didn't know where that would go. Like, that could be, in my opinion, like, well, that's great and all, but that's not the position we have available, okay? But Christian kind of looks at me and he says, you know, that's something I've felt like we've been missing here. And he goes, I'm not the person to do that. That's just not my gift set. And so maybe that's something we need to look at with this. And that was incredible. And as we continued to like look at that and look at the job descriptions as we interacted and, and met with TCM, that became part of that job description. I mean, I'm not 100% sure what we're going to do with that yet. We're going to learn it as we go and get there because it's new. But I'm excited that, you know, through all this, staying faithful to what we felt like God was calling us to or what God was telling us. He was faithful to us as well, and, at, and we added that into that job description. And so through those things, through people that we trust and love here, discerning on what God was wanting to do, we felt like this is what God wanted for us to do. And so here we are. We leave Thursday. <laughs> And it's going to be an incredible journey. We're nervous, scared, anxious, and a thousand other feelings I cannot express to you about what's getting ready to happen with this. But I say that all to you because I want to show you that our journey through this started when we accepted Christ. That's where our calling started. It didn't start in September or October. We were in, in Austria. It didn't start six and a half years ago when we came to Chapel Rock. It started 1989-1990. And I think that's what our verse is pointing us to. You see, look at that verse. Uh, we're going to read through this. Um, 1 John chapter, uh, excuse me, not 1 John. John 1 chapter, uh, John, wow. John chapter 1, there we go, verse 43 through 51. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip. He said to him, follow me. That's an important sentence. Follow me. Remember that. 
Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Uh, Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from, Na- from there? Nathanael asked, and Philip says, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. And then he added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, when you read that verse, many of us would look at that and go, man, that mind-blowing moment in this verse is that God, or that Jesus saw Nathaniel under the fig tree. And that's a pretty incredible thing, right? I mean, it's very much an incredible thing. But I'm going to say that maybe the mind-blowing thing here is this. If you look back at verse 43, Jesus looks at Philip and says, follow me. And what's the first thing Philip does? He goes find somebody else. He doesn't physically follow Jesus right then. He goes and finds Nathanael and says, we found him. We found the one that Moses wrote about. I think sometimes what happens is we look at that follow me part of that verse and we go, okay, well, physically the disciples just went straight away and followed Jesus. And some did, and many disciples continue to follow Jesus through his entire life. But the first thing Philip did was he went and found somebody else. And I think this is, uh, the way we can interpret this is that Philip was called by Jesus when he said the words, follow me. And what he did next was his calling. What he did next was his calling. You see, when, um, what happens I think is we look at this stuff, we look at these, these verses, and we get so like, okay, Jesus called the disciples to follow. They followed. That was the one thing that God wanted from them. And so then we look at our own lives and we go, okay, i got to find that one thing that God wants me to do, that one thing where i got to find, and this happens so often with students, especially college students. i got to find that one person that God wants me to marry. And we, we take our entire lives and we put it in this narrow thing that says there's this one thing that God wants from me. Look, I've been there. I went through that. And my first ministry, when I, I gra- we graduate college, Nicole's pregnant. We know we're getting ready to have a daughter. This is May. I graduate. Madison was born in September that same year. It was a crazy year. September that year, then I lost my job in January the following year. I was at that church seven months. Um, that was tough. Now look, I was young and I was dumb. <laughs> I was dumb. One of those things uh, is no longer accurate. Um, there you go. I'm still young. See, that's what it is. And I remember leaving that church and I was working third shift at a Kinko's making copies and I remember like man God is punished me punishing me because I missed his calling for me in my life 
I remember saying those words. I remember being in that place where I was like, God, what? I am so sorry, Lord, that I missed what you called me to do, and now you're punishing me. I just want you to know this right now. I don't think that lines up with God's love for us. I don't think there's just this one thing that God calls us to do. When we are doing what God calls us to do, we're doing this. You ready? We're following Him. For some people, that looks like following Him right away and going in wherever it was in, with the disciples. But some of them, like Philip, was, nope, first I need to go find Nathaniel. God's calling for me, God's calling for all of us is to follow Him. And I just want to share with you just a few things with this as we look at this. First of all, I, we're just going to go through th three things real quick here about what I think you can do to help you understand what it means to follow Jesus, okay? So the first one's real hard. Here we go. Three ways to know God's calling. Follow Jesus. It's very hard. Actually, it sometimes is very hard to do. But to know what to do, follow Jesus. And the best way you know, you've got to know where somebody's going before you can follow them. Or you've got to trust them enough that even if you don't know the destination, you're willing to go where they go. Um, <clears throat> one of the coolest things I ever got to do here uh, when, uh, in, in, in my ministry here was go on a senior trip. Uh, being the middle school pastor, you know, I wasn't really working with graduated seniors. Uh, but I had an opportunity to go on that trip. The first, one I, uh, first summer I was here, I got to go on that trip. And I just remember walking up into the woods going, well, I don't know where we're going, but Nick does. And as long as Nick is okay with whatever's happening, I'm good. You know, he was one of those people for me that when he got nervous, that's when I knew I needed to be nervous, <laughs> right? Like, everything's good until I see Nick get nervous. And then, okay, wait, I've got to get nervous. But you've got to know or trust somebody enough to know that you trust them, that, that you're going to go where they go. And for us, we got to do that with Jesus. We need to look at uh, what, who Jesus is to know where he wants us to go, to where we need to be. And the way we do that, I think I've said this every time I've ever preached on this stage, is read your Bible. <laughs> read your Bible. It's, it's something, it's this incredible gift that God has given us that sometimes... That's nothing more than keep dust off a square on our side table. Read your Bible. When, when I worked with students, my entire, my entire goal with students from when I was younger to now is two things. One, I want them to, to, to take this relationship with Jesus and make it their own. I want them to do things in their life that where their relationship with Jesus is, is starting to be built up because of what they're doing, not because of what their parents do. Okay? And that's important for kids, especially middle schoolers, to start that transit, transition. And the second thing I want students to do is I want them to love the Bible. I want them to love the Bible. The Bible's pretty incredible. For instance, real quick, like, think of the book of John, Matthew, Mark. All these uh, Gospels were written at different times, right? Uh, and John, from, uh, and if, if I get this wrong, we'll put a blurb in the newsletter next month to make sure, like, you know, like a retraction statement. Um, John was what many scholars believe to be the first uh, gospel written, and it wasn't written until around 50 A.D.-ish, okay? We're real, we're real 
real like descriptive of dates with ish. It means it could be, you know, a little early, a little later. But then the other Gospels were written after that. And so you're taking stories of Jesus, which would be probably-ish, 27 to 30 to 33 AD, depending somewhere in there, how you look at the dates. And we're talking about somebody who lived then, we're writing about them 20 to 50 years later. You've got to know the, the people that it's being written to to understand Scripture in a better way. Scripture is very, very deep. To me, that's very cool to be able to go back and look and go, okay, they were writing to this person this way and did this thing and talked about this and did this. To me, that's important. So to know how to follow Jesus, you've got to be in the Word. You've got to be in God's Word. Second thing, look at your gifts and use those for God. What are the things that God has gifted you to do? You know, uh, Springer was doing his communion meditation. He's talking about the weight ratio and some other technical things that I don't know about of the beams up here. And he can have some, you know, he can tell you some equation that tells you how much weight that those beams can hold. For me, I look up and I go, huh, good thing those beams are holding. That's what I'm saying. But Springer has this knowledge and this ability and he uses it for God. An example of that is last week. He talked about going to the Dominican. If you follow any of those guys on their trip that they were doing, their posts on Facebook, they were doing some really heavy, intricate labor. Doing some really cool stuff. And stuff that, that's using Springer's gift to be able to serve the Lord in that way. What is your gift that God has given you? And how can you use those to grow His kingdom? And the third thing. Look for where God is working around you and join in. Join in. God is working in incredible ways all around you. Look around where he's at and join in. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's your calling. You guys are in a very awesome and incredible place to be even to be here at this church and to be a part of what's happening here on the west side of Indianapolis. And just, oh man, just all that is, is, is happening, like the the way people are being served, the way this church cares for this community, the way this church is caring for the individuals in this building. Like, you guys, if you want to look around, you don't have to look around too far to figure out where he's working and join in. And join in. And I'm not just talking about, like, on Sunday morning. I'm talking about stuff that's happening on Monday where we have teenage moms who are here being poured into by people. I'm talking about Thursdays when we have a line of people out on the side of the building just wanting to get food. Those are the things that God is doing around you. Join in. That's God's calling for you. Those are the things that when we start going, God, what are you calling me to to look at? There's another part of this I think that's important too. Uh, as we kind of move into our invitation time, I want you to think about this. There's some of you in this audience right now, uh, maybe watching at home, wherever you're at, that you're like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to start following God. And it starts very simply with accepting Him as your Savior. With looking to God and say, look, all this time my life 
I've been pouring it into other things. I'm ready to pour it into you. And if you're that this morning, like we always have that ready to go. Always ready to go. Come forward and we will take you up there and we'll get that done. If you've been, if, even if you just need to talk to somebody about it, we'll have people up front. And if you're somebody that's been following Jesus for a long time, and maybe you're like, man, I just feel like I'm a little bit off from where God is calling me. We'll have people up here that want to pray with you, to listen to you, to hear your heart, and be a part of that in any way we can. And so this morning, if you have a decision to make, I just challenge you to, to make that. Follow Jesus. Even if that means following first right up to the front here. Won't you stand and we'll sing.